Eagle's Quest every Monday, 6 p.m. here at KKVV Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local in Las Vegas, to join in on our discussion today, you can dial 702-650-5588. If you have a praise report, a prayer request, a general comment, we'd love to hear from you. Again, 702-650-5588 for everyone who's local in Las Vegas. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, KKVV does have a toll-free number for you, and that would be 800-366-8883. I say again, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area and like to join in on our discussion, please dial 800-366-8883. <clears throat> Excuse me, we'll also be in stream live over the Internet. On KKVV's website, that's www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. And we're also being streamed live from KK, excuse me, Save the Lost at All Costs' website. And our web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please go to our website. Again, that web address is www.savethelostlv.org. Select any rebroadcast you like to listen to. There are plenty up there. The gospel is always free on our watch, so there's no charge. And please tell someone else about it. If you have a Apple device, like an iPhone, an iPad, we're being archived at, on iTunes. So it's also free for you over there as well. KKVV is kind enough to have a cell number that you can dial to listen to them at any time. And you can listen to this broadcast right now. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that cell phone number is 563-999-3194. Again, 563-999-3194. I'm going to take a sip of water. All right, now that we've gotten that out the way, we are going to be looking at a special class of prayers today. And um, that falls under the word which is, I'm going to spell it for you, and then I'm going to pronounce it for you. So I hope that you guys are ready to write. So let me spell it, and then I will pronounce it for you. Amen? So are we ready? All right. It is spelled I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. Again, that's spelled I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. And that would be impregatory. 
again, impregatory. Those are the type of prayers that we're going to be looking at today. A lot of times you don't hear them in a traditional uh, worship environment, and uh, I'll tell you why. They're in the Bible for a reason. So anything that's in the Bible, we should be able to look at, study, discuss, and be inspired, be divinely inspired by, because it is the Word of God. Amen? So let's get into that. First of all, we have to understand this word is a verb. A verb is a word that's used to describe an action, a state, or occurrence, and forming the main part of the predicate of a sentence such as hear, become, or happen. So there are many of these type of prayers in the Bible. So you can find them in Psalms. So we have in Psalm 5, 10, 17, 35, 58, 59, 69, 70, 79, 83, 109, 129, 137, and 140. I'm going to say those again. You have these type of prayers and these psalms. Again, Psalm 5, 10, 17, 35, 58, 59, 69, 70, 79, 83, 109, 129, 137, and 140. So, to imprecate, because that's the verb, verb, imprecate, means to pray evil against or to invoke a curse upon another. That's where it comes from, that verb, okay? So, a lot of times, you know, people are instructed, like, don't pray these prayers, don't say these anymore. Well, they're here for a reason. So let's look at them. And I think that you will find that if you have come to the state to where you want to pray this type of prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to see something that's going to become very apparent as to what state you really need to be in, what heart condition you really need to be in, And what standing you really need to be in in order for you to pray this prayer to where it will be heard. Amen? So let's look at it. So we are going to go to Psalm 17. So we're going to use this as an example to further go along in our discussion. So we find here that David is the author of this prayer. And the central theme of the prayer is a plea for justice in the face of false accusations and persecution. David urges us to realize the true goal of life is to know God. And the true reward of life is to seek God one day. Excuse me, is to see God one day. So that would be the true reward of life is to see God one day. Not to seek Him. We seek Him all the time. But to actually physically see God one day. Amen? So... David was actually being persecuted by Saul. Now, Saul, we know, is the first king of Israel. And he was persecuting David. Persecuting to the point where he wanted to kill him. So, it was not something that 
David took very lightly because it was very obvious. And, you know, you'll find uh, that uh, when you uh, look in the Bible and start reading through First um, Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, uh, through Second Kings, you will see how it starts and how it plays out. Amen. So I encourage you to visit uh, the books of Samuel and the book of Kings and to really uh, get a feel for where David was and how he was being pressed. I mean, pressed unto death. So it also puts the modern reader, which would be us, into how it felt to be under that kind of persecution, that kind of false accusation. So a lot of us, you know, want to somehow say, well, we're in that same type of situation but ask yourself, are you really under that type of persecution? Are you really under that type of accusation to where, you know, it is imminent death? So we have to understand and appreciate why David was moved to this point in his life, in his worship life, in his relationship with God, that he would say these type of prayers. So I want us to really, really open up our hearts and minds and see um, if there's any parallel with us where we are now in our walk into where David was at that particular time when he was persecuted and falsely accused unto death. You know, this is how serious it was. It was his very life that was on the line. So let's... uh get into it shall we and so we're going to look at psalm 17 and i am coming out of the new king james version so i'm going to start with verse one and the word of god says this hear a just cause O lord attend to my cry give ear to my prayer which is not from deceitful lips two let my vindication come from your presence Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. Three, you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Four, concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Five, upon my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. Six, I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Seven, show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Eight, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Nine, from the wicked who oppress me. From my deadly enemies who surround me. Ten, they have closed up their fat hearts. With their mouths they speak proudly. Eleven, they have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth. 12. As a lion is eager to tear his prey, and like a young lion lurking in secret places. 13. Arise, O Lord, confront him, cast him down. 
deliver my life from the wicked with your sword. 14. With your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure, they are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possession for their babes. 15. As for me, I will seek your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. All right, we just read Psalm 17. So let's start breaking it down. The first thing we notice in verses 1 and 2, it's a plea. So let's let's look at it. Verse 1, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. So let's look at verse 1. First of all, David says that it's a just cause. And he's pleading to the Lord. Just. Just as as God would. Set out a requirement of what is a just cause. So David. Is saying that it's just. And that because it's just. And God is the righteous judge. It would be something that would be very near and dear to his heart. Because God cares for his children. And it denotes intimacy that David has been following and walking with God. Because he knows the difference between a just cause and an unjust cause. And that he has a respect and reverence for God, not to bring anything to him that is unjust. See, he understands it's not enough just to plea. He has to qualify the plea, and that is of a divine respect and love and obedience that he brings it. He's brought it with much thought and consideration. And it says, give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. See, he understands. Now is not the time, especially with a prayer of this magnitude, a prayer, a prayer that's requesting such things that only God can do. That he can't be on the wrong side of this. His heart has to be in a good place. His words have to be true. Lies, entitlement, covetedness, selfishness, self-seeking cannot be his heart condition. Or else his lips would be deceitful. Verse 2, it says, let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. See, he's totally surrendering to God's judgment. 
to God's all-knowing, to God's righteousness. It's not about how he views it. It's about him bringing it to the one that will view it in the correct way, in the truthful way, in the way that gives glory and honor to God's kingdom and how it operates and the reverence for the throne in which God sits on. So that's the plea. And it's qualified. Number one is going to God. God Almighty. God of all the earth. God of all creation. God of all heaven. The most high God. Number one. So it's the God. And that. He understands. That it's a a cry. It's a plea. It's not a demand. That would be the second thing. And that it's not coming from deceitful lips. That David has taken much thought and consideration. And to make sure that he is in right standing to even come before the Lord. With a prayer of this magnitude. And see, most of all, he wants it from God's perspective. See, he knows God's eyes looks at things for the right things and always the right things. There's never any waiver on that. It's powerful. Just the qualification of the first two verses in reference to the context of the plea. When we go to God, Do we even consider the thought process and the real self-reflection and the humility to prepare our hearts and minds so that what comes out of our mouth actually is a true reflection what's in our heart? And that is of a right Perspective. Because we understand who we are praying to. It's not asking a friend something. It's not asking a parent something. When I say a parent, a parent of a human magnitude, a co-worker, a neighbor, a child, an acquaintance, no. We're not making a request of those types. This is the divine, the creator, our creator of all creation. David understands that. And perhaps we need to reflect about that too. When we're praying to the most high God. In all heaven and earth. All creation. Something we ought to think about. Let's look at verse 3. 
Mmm. This is probably something that's so riveting and transforming. And you have to have a testimony to be able to say that. But before you have a testimony, there has to be a test. So let's look at verse 3. It says, You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. A lot of us, men and women of God, are very upset when God starts testing us. We don't like the adversity. We don't like the trying and the perfecting of our faith. We find it uncomfortable. We find it not lining up with our schedule because there's things that we want to do. And we find it to be something that is associated with shame. And reproach. And reproach would be the disgrace that there was something that we did that was worthy of condemnation, rebuke, and blame associated with criticism, disapproval, and disappointment. Not realizing that God is perfecting us. That God is doing the necessary pruning to get us in a place where he knows where we're supposed to be. See, he's all-knowing. We're not. And that's how faith comes in. Because we trust him. Not with some things, all things. And we will continue to follow. And we believe That he knows what's best for us. And that he's with us. While he is doing this progressive sanctification. And he's all around. He hasn't left our side. He's quite aware of what's going on. So. I want to go to the book of James. To encourage you with verse 3 and verses uh, in reference to Psalm 17. So let's go to the book of James. And I want to go to James chapter 1. And I want to look at the first seven verses. And again, I'm in the New King James Version. And the Word of God says this. James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are scattered abroad, greetings to my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Three, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Four, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, 
and it will be given to him. Six, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Seven, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And eight, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I wanted to put eight in. I know I said verses one through seven, but when I saw eight, I wanted to make sure you heard that as well. So when we look at verse three and we use that as the standard, what we just read in James, I would like to up that standard and give it more confirmation. And I want us to go to Psalm 139. And just look at a couple of verses there. We're going to look at verses 23 and 24 again. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. Again, I'm in the New King James Version and the Word of God says this. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. 24. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, I believe verse 3, David understood that it was God who was testing him when he was being tested. And it was God that would come and visit him at night to reassure him that it was he who was testing him for something greater, something bigger. And that God had tried him and to burn off that that was not of God. See, that is the perfecting and the purification that God was doing. And David understood that because David had admitted his sins to God in a lot of the Psalms. He was very transparent and understood the gift of repentance and that he was so thankful to be able to receive it and to know that God could have killed him easily. God could have took his life for what he did. But God didn't. God still loved him. And God didn't take away him being king either. He was still God's king. He was still God's chosen. Even though he didn't always do the right things. And a lot of the decisions that he made, it affected more than his life. It affected everyone's life. Especially those that God entrusted him to care for, to lead, to make sure they knew about the most high God. Yes, David understood. And that's why he could have this testimony right here in verse 3. And it says, you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. Oh, it was intimate. It was personal. It was a relationship that he and God had. They walked together. They talked together. He 
never wanted to be out of the presence of God. And my study Bible says this about verse 3. When David saying he was sinless, was David saying he was sinless? It's a question. Far from a proud assumption of purity, David's claim was an understanding of his relationship with God. In Psalms 32 and 51, David freely acknowledges his own sins. Nevertheless, his relationship with God was one of close fellowship and constant repentance and forgiveness. His claim to goodness, therefore, was based on his continual seeking after God. Wow. That's powerful. And as children of God, our Father who art in heaven, God Almighty, requires that of us to diligently and continually seek him no matter what. Be in fellowship with him. Worship him. Everything we do is a form of worship. Know that he fights for you. Know that he created you with a purpose. And that he breathed his breath into you. And his breath is eternal. So you were created to be an eternal living being. And to have fellowship with him. Continuous fellowship. Unbroken fellowship. David understood that. And in our mistakes, and in our sins, we become more aware of who he is and the gift that's been given to us. That it makes us so mindful of the things that kept us separated from God. And we think about that and don't want to be separated from him. So we work very hard. To be that that we always were supposed to be in Christ. And to move away from that that kept us separated. Yes. When we come into a right relationship. With the Lord Jesus Christ. We realize. That we don't want to do anything. That would keep us separated from him. That we want him to be able to hear us as we hear him. We want to be able to come to him as a child comes to his father seeking guidance, seeking protection, seeking love and understanding and true wisdom. And knowing that this is so much bigger than us. And that other people. Are looking. To us. To help them. Stay on the road. Of righteousness as well. This is a huge thing. This is a real big deal here. Where your heart is. And see verse 3. 
makes all the sense in the world and truly supports verses 1 and 2. It's important as to how we come and where our hearts are when we come. And we're asking something of this magnitude. Oh, make no mistake of the great request that David is making of God at this particular time. And when we look at verse 4, it says, Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips... I have kept away from the path of the destroyer. David makes it plain. Satan is not anybody that he wants to serve. And has made a conscious effort. Not so much in his mind. But in his heart. And in his actions. And in his life. See. It's been intentional on his part. But he had to be tested. To have a testimony. To be able to say this. And God is quite aware. Of David's comings and goings. Quite aware. Of. His progressive sanctification. And his desire to consecrate himself so that he can come boldly before the throne and ask something of this nature. Let's look at verse 5. Uphold my steps in your path that my footsteps may not slip. He's asking for protection right here. Protection from who? God Almighty. He knows he needs that. And he understands it. It is something that he cannot live without. Because our footsteps do have a tendency to slip. See, he wouldn't have said may not slip if it wasn't a possibility. It's a possibility. A real possibility. He hasn't thought that he has arrived to where he doesn't need the protection of God. Now understand he's the king. He is the king. He's God's chosen king. He understands he needs it even more. Now let's look at verses 6 through 9. Verse 6. I have called upon you. For you will hear me, O God, incline your ear to me, and hear my speech. See, he says, it's me, David, your son. I'm calling upon you for you to hear me, O God. See, he knows who he's calling upon. But he says, it's me. I have called upon you. Personal. 
Are we visiting God enough that we believe in our hearts that he knows it's us? See, David has that confidence. I have called upon you. Because this is something that he does continuously. And he says, incline. Like, bend your ear to me. And hear my speech. Seven, show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Oh, you who save those who trust in you. Oh, he called it marvelous. Loving kindness. It is. It's one of God's attributes. Your right hand to symbolize his righteousness. And that he saves those who trust in him. See, that's putting God's word to the test. And it's a righteous test. And God is obligated to act on his word. So David knows his word and knows that he can say his word back to him. And God is obligated to act on it. If his heart is in the right condition. See that's why it was so important. About the plea that he gave in verses 1 and 2. And then the testimony he gives in verses 3 and 4. About how his heart has been tested. He knows who has tested him. It was necessary for him to be able to come. What a pure heart. And to plead and to cry out. It's necessary. You don't want anything to hinder or block your prayers that you are bringing to the Lord. Yourself. We must make sure that we are where we're supposed to be. Yes, there are all types of evil and things that are not right and things that are filthy. God is aware of that. It's your heart. That we need to be concerned about when we are coming to God. On a prayer. And asking him. To do something. See. David was being persecuted. And falsely accused. His very life was on the line. And he wanted to make sure. That when he was going to God. That he was. Asking for the right thing. With the right heart. So we're going to take a call. And then we're going to get back to the scriptures. <clears throat> Hello. You're on Save the Lost at All Costs. And God bless you. Good morning, Pastor. This is Sister Coleman. Janice Coleman. Uh, I just want to compliment. Let me call my radio down. I want to compliment uh, your sermon today. That's, that 
definitely a part of my testimony. Amen. Well, God bless you, sis. It's good to hear your voice. (laughs) Yes, yes. And uh, this was heavenly sent, I must say. Amen. Well, you was reading and keep me as the eyes. And, okay, 17 and 8, keep me as the the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wing. And um, the thing is, I have truly gotten hurt pretty much like David did. I was like I was stabbed. And it took me a day because I just couldn't believe it. You know what I'm saying? But it happened. But once I repented and asked for forgiveness of that person, for me to forgive what that person done to me, God opened doors and started showing, giving me all kind of dreams and visions. Amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and what I generally do is, because here in uh, Isaiah 40, oh, Jesus, I already got it marked, 49, 49 and 2, it says, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp word, mm-hmm. and in the shadow of his hand had he hid me, and made me like a polished shaft in his quiver had he have he hid me. And then here in 49 and 16, Behold, I have driven thee upon the palms of my hand. Thy walls are continuing before me. Because I'm pretty much going through exactly what you are preaching about. But I also found that even in the pain, and you have to shake it off, and you do have to repent. And I find when I repent and I ask for forgiveness of me feeling how I felt about the person because they did what they did, then I find out when I repent and ask for my forgiveness for feeling how I felt. And I ask God to heal the wounds and, you know. So then God started giving me dreams and start visiting me. And that was a better healer, even though sometimes Satan will throw it back at me. Mm-hmm. But I have to remember that God got this because see, I can't afford to go back and think, you know, and not forgive. Amen. I got, to, I got to stay forgiving of it. But I am so grateful for that. And I wrote, I got most of those scriptures down that you called. So I will be reading that this week. But I just want to ask you to put me in prayer because I am on that exact battleground. Amen. You know, so thank you so much. Well, we will keep you in prayer. We'll keep you lifted. And thank you for sharing your testimony with us. And uh, she said her breakthrough came by repentance and forgiveness. Amen? Yes. yes. So I hope our listeners hold fast to that. And thank you. And God bless you, woman of God. We love you. Okay. Love you. Thank you. Yes. Bye-bye. Thanks. Amen. <laughs> what a wonderful praise report. Praise God. Getting back to the scriptures. Let's go with verse 7 again, and then we'll go into 8. 7. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you, from those who rise up against them. 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadows of your wings. Now let's look at verse 8. My study Bible says this. Just as we protect our eyes, so God will protect us. We must not conclude, however, that we have somehow missed God's protection if we experience troubles. God's protection 
has far greater purpose than helping us avoid pain. It is to make us better servants for him. God also protects us from guiding us through painful circumstances, not only by helping us escape them. The shadow of your wings is a figure of speech symbolizing God's protection. He guards us just as a mother bird protects her young by covering them with her wings. Moses used a similar metaphor in Deuteronomy 32.11. Also, um, it's used again, and I want to say in Proverbs 7 verse 2, God talks about the apple of my eye. So, God protects us. But we're going to have to endure some things. And they're going to be painful. And they're not always going to be pleasant. But it will not kill us. And we will not be separated from him. And as... The commentary stated in my study Bible is to make us better servants. And see, when we agree to be God's servant, then we agree to lose our former life, to take up the life of everlasting. Oh, he will reward us. So. You ought to be excited about God wanting to use you. And it makes perfect sense. Our job is just to endure. Amen. And stay on our journey because he's with us. Verse nine. From the wicked who oppress me. From my deadly enemies who surround me. That's who we want protection from. This is David is talking about. God will do it. He knows who your enemies are. He knows those who oppress him. Because those who oppose you oppose him. Because you're walking in relationship and fellowship with God Almighty. His enemies will never subdue him or overcome him. No. They're already defeated. We are used to encourage others in their walk. It's a mighty assignment to be chosen by God. Mighty assignment. Now let's look at verses 10 through 14. They have closed up their fat hearts with their mouths. They speak proudly. They have not surrounded us. Excuse me. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth. Twelve. And as a lion is eager to tear his prey. And like a young lion lurking in secret places. Thirteen. Arise, O Lord. Confront him. Cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked. With your sword. Fourteen. With your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. They are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possession for their babes. See, in this life, they are getting their portion in this life. 
This will not be permitted. When our Lord and Savior Jesus comes, because that will be the day of reckoning, that will be the day of judgment. But we have to make sure that our hearts are correct, that our hearts are right, that we understand the gift of repentance and forgiveness, and that we are not persuaded to be so full of vengeance that we want to take it into our own hands. See, David was always referring back to God. Always. He is the one that's going to judge. And we have to be precise and see ourselves in the prayer that we're asking and making sure that we are on the right side of this. See, it's a way to perfect ourselves in our coming to God Almighty and making sure we have the right heart condition to even come before Him with a request such as this. 15. As for me, I will seek your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. That's all David wants. His pure request is that whatever happens, he will be totally satisfied when he awakes and sees his likeness. His face and righteousness, that's enough for everything that he's endured. That is enough. That is the final goal. Is to see God's face. And that should be our goal as well. Now, be encouraged by some New Testament scriptures. I'm going to give you a few. We're coming down to the last five minutes, but I think you need this. So let's go to Matthew 5 and let's go to verse 11. And verse 11 says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Amen. Now we're going to go to verses 43 through 48 in the same chapter. So we're still in Matthew 5. So let's look at verse 43. That was Jesus speaking. I have the red letter edition. So I'm in a new King James version. Let's go. Verse 43, Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. 45. That you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do you not even, it says, do not even the tax collectors do the same? 47. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do you even the tax collectors do so? 48, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, that testing and that perfecting and that trying 
That's what gets you to this point. You're not there automatically. You got to go through some stuff. And God is the one that's doing the perfecting. Amen. So let's go to uh, Romans. Try to get some Romans in here for you. So Romans, we're getting there. All right, we are going to go to Romans 2. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses because I think you should read the whole chapter of Romans 2 myself. But I'm just going to read a couple of verses to get you excited in what we're studying here today. Amen. Verse 1, Romans 2, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things too. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. 3, And do you think this, O man, that... Do you three and do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God for, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Five, but in accordance with your hardness and your impediment heart you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness judgment of God six who will render to each of one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory honor and immortality wow that was just okay great that's all I could say is whoo now I'm going to try to get to the book of revelation I got one minute left. I'm going to try to do it. So we're going to go to Revelation verse 19 in chapter 2. So let me try to get to it. All right. 19. It says, I know your work, love and service, faith, and your patience as for your works that last are more than the first. Amen. So I hope you were blessed by us talking about uh, these type of prayers and you will look at them and pregatory prayers and be blessed. Have the right heart condition. God will receive the prayer. He will receive it. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And as we say here, save the lost at all costs. Be blessed. our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the lost at